Hey, it's Alofalaba. Greetings, this is Leotawa Dr. John Peterson, and you are listening to the Alofa Movement Podcast Series. We are on podcast number 11. Our last guest was Miss Nora Reitawa Peterson. Um, and before that was her little brother, Oscar David Vinupol Peterson. Today, I have a very special guest, their mom, Michael Peterson, here uh, in the studio. Along yes, with, hello, good morning. Along with our dog, Charlie. So uh, this will be a fun, a fun podcast to spend a little time with Michael and get to get to know her a little bit better and you all can get a get a sense of what she what she's about and what she likes to do so we got some pretty nice weather here today we do it's a little chilly though but it is uh it is sunshiny so that helps yeah i think it's still about mid-20s right now today yeah hoping it gets a little warmer to go out for a bike ride and i know oscar would like to get out and shoot some baskets get his new basketball picked up yep and Nora's pretty happy because she got... Yes, new, new phone purchase today. iPhone XR, I believe, in the color yellow. So that is exciting. She is uh, going to be very thrilled on Tuesday to get her package in the mail. <laughs> so, well, that's good. Uh, so, Michael, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, where are you from? Uh, where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to high school? Stuff like that. People my favorite things yeah. to talk about is myself. Not really. But, um, all right. So I grew up in Minnesota in Rochester. Uh, born and raised there. Went to high school there. John Marshall High School. Class of 1993. Um, after that, I stayed in Rochester for a little while. Um, and then went to college in Northern California. Humboldt State University, and by Northern California, I mean we are an hour and a half south of the Oregon border, so, um, and five hours north of San Francisco, so that is uh, way north. I know a lot of people consider San Francisco, that area, to be Northern California, but this was uh, right in the Redwood Forest, so it was beautiful. So, having been, been born in Rochester and spent time in the Midwest, uh, but also having had a chance to go to school out in the Pacific Northwest, Northern California. What is a, what's a difference culturally or geographically or what are some things that are different that you recognized when you went out there? Well, obviously geographically it was, there was the, the ocean um, and we had the, the redwood trees um, and, you know, the ocean there is certainly um, the much more rocky than um, it is in the Gulf or on the on the East Coast. So that's different. Um, well, and even in Southern California, um, as far as culturally, I think it, I don't know that this is different um, throughout the entire state of California, but certainly in Northern California it was a far more um, kind of relaxed, um, relaxed pace. Uh, people would walk their dogs, uh, take their dogs to their class with them and have them um, tied outside and they'd get their dogs on after they were done with school and um, just lots of outdoor activities too. Well, that sounds pretty cool for all the dog lovers out there. That sounds like an ideal situation. Yeah, definitely. What about the dog poop? What would they do with that? I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> Long time ago, I suppose, huh? <laughs> I, can, I, I do not recall, nor did I have a dog at the time, so wasn't tuned into their uh, pooping activities and uh, poop removal. Sounds good. 
So you went to high school at John Marshall. Um, what are what what's a memory from John Marshall from high school that you that you that sticks out in your mind? Or <clears throat> I'm sure, That's there's many. Uh, yeah, certainly. I think it was um, kind of the ability to gain some independence to drive to school, to and from school. I had a car, so had the ability to do that. And we had open campus, so there was lots of opportunities to um, go for lunch during the day, um, or you had a free hour and you were to, you could um, go run some errands or do some things like that. So that was, I know that's not um, the case typically now. Um, and then at school itself, I'd say probably the um, inside the building and the, the stud bench, which was on the, the halls were separated by grades and the seniors were kind of on the main level. And then when you were a uh, senior, people could sit on what was called the stud bench. So the what bench? Stud bench. The stud bench. The stud okay. Bench, yes. That's cool. Cool. We did not have a stud bench at Menominee High School. So, okay, cool. Um, so after you finished up college, then what? What did you do? What What did you major in, or what were your What were your interests in professionally as you started off your career? Sure, I majored in child development and social work. Um, so after I graduated, I moved from California and uh, relocated to Florida, the Tampa, Florida area. And um, there worked at an agency, it was called Family Builders, and worked with uh, children and families who had um, been involved in the, the child welfare system, the child protection system, and um, children were at risk of being uh, removed. So we did some intensive home work with them, uh, with families for approximately three months. And we would go and visit with them uh, at least three times a week and provide them um, services, uh, parenting supports, um, take them to appointments, um, help them access other uh, services that were available uh, within the county. I bet you learned a lot in that job. I I did. There was there was a lot to a lot to learn, and certainly working with families um, that had different experiences from my own growing up. So it was um, it was definitely eye opening. Mm -hmm. And that was in the Tampa Bay. St. Petersburg, is that the area? Did you mention that? I Correct, were... yeah. I lived in the Tampa Bay area, but uh, but worked in um, St. Peter's, St. Petersburg, um, Clear, Clearwater, which would be Pinellas County, and Tampa's and Hillsborough County. So worked in a different county than I lived. But... Cool. So you were involved in social work and had those early experiences. Um, what brought you up to Minnesota, back to Minnesota? Yeah, I came back to Minnesota, really um, family. My family uh, was here and just wanted to um, continue to maintain that close connection. Being away from them for, for several years was um, was challenging, and so wanted to um, come back here and just continue on, um, continue on with my career and uh, family. So I, that's that's great. I know how important family is to you and to us, and so that's that's cool to hear that. Um, I'm wondering, how did you get connected with the um, Downeyside organization? What was Downeyside? Oh, sure. Downeyside was a, a private adoption agency. I do believe they still are um, different states throughout the country. I, there are no offices any longer in Minnesota, but. 
Um, I got connected just basically through through an ad, I believe, a want ad in the paper. Um, they were looking for someone, um, looking for an adoption worker, and so applied for the job and uh, was fortunate enough to um, get the offer and start working uh, with children and families who were looking to adopt uh, children that had special needs and special needs children um, in the sense that children that had been uh, in, the, in, in foster care, they had had their parental rights terminated, which means that their families, uh, their parents um, were no longer able to care for them. And um, we would train, recruit, um, and support families who were interested um, and willing to open their home to um, children to care for. Mm. And uh, do you have any, what memories do you have of, of do you have I mean, any specific memories or anything that sticks out in terms of learning experience, experiences with respect to working for Downeyside? I mean, some people are not as familiar with the, the adoption side of things from the, what would it be, the provider or the, it was Downeyside a private organization mm. or was it a nonprofit right. or how does yep. that work? Yep, it was a it was a private nonprofit, and we had um, actually had, at the time had contracts with the state of Minnesota to do some work um, for mm-hmm. uh, Minnesota specific children, um, which certainly is is a focus. Um, and some memories. Well, there's m- lots and lots of memories I have from working there. Um, I Probably worked, some good, some less, yeah, you know, some not as good. Right. I worked uh, started in two thousand and worked there until. 2005 um, and I, I think um, I guess when, when you ask that question one of the things that comes to the forefront of my mind is just working with um, families and children and, and helping families parent children when they just step into their lives at a, at a certain age um, you know you don't have those natural progressions throughout um, the development of a child and the development of yourself as a parent learning how to parent that you just you step in and you you have lots of um, there's lots of history that you did not create um, mm-hmm. lots of trauma and lots of good things also but it's mm-hmm. it's it's an interesting um, dance and balance to try to um, to try to work through all of that yeah I can imagine I'm, I'm wondering now that you have your own children uh, how has your work, because you also work for the state of Minnesota now. What, what, t- tell us, what do you do at the state of Minnesota? It's quite a bit. But. Sure. Um, I am in the Child Safety and Permanency Division with the Department of Human Services, and I'm in, uh, I'm actually have the privilege of being in a supervisor role there, and I work with a team who um, is responsible for making all of the uh, adoption and kinship assistance payments to families each month. Um, I For the whole state? For any child that was um, adopted out of out of the Minnesota, or kinship out of the Minnesota child welfare system. So okay. yes, so it, whether they're inside the state or, or they live in other states too, yes, we, we are responsible for making those. Um, payments and managing those um, those adoption and kinship agreements. Uh, we also have a team that does all of our interstate compact work. So for children that are placed into Minnesota or out of Minnesota from um, into other states or um, into Minnesota from other states. So we 
uh, work with all of those um, all of those cases and also our grants and contracts so grants and contracts that we have with private entities uh, throughout the state to deliver services to families um, and children who have experienced um, foster care adoption or kinship care um, and our adoption services are our services not only to, to children that are in the child welfare system but children that were um, privately adopted or international mm -hmm. adoptees also so um, you would have some you would have some uh, experience working with organizations like the one you had been at previously with Downeyside is that Correct. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. So I bet you correct. have a unique unique perspective uh, working, having worked down in Florida and also worked for Downeyside up here in Minnesota and then also now working for the state, but also working across multiple states through mm -hmm. the Intrastate Compact? The Interstate Interstate Compact, compact. Yep, that's okay. correct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. Uh, do you also work with tribes? Tribal we, communities as well? We do also work with tribal communities. Yeah, we have with our... Um, so certainly with our tribal communities, we work with them in um, adoption and kinship assistance. Um, that is in my, I have a, a coworker uh, who works with me, um, it's another co-supervisor and, and she manages a team that does all of our um, eligibility work for kids, so kids that are eligible for adoption and kinship assistance throughout the state. Um, lots of um, lots of children in the, in the um, tribal, welfare system also um, and we do have specific contracts with um, tribal agencies to provide um, tribal specific adoption services which look a little bit different than mm -hmm. um, our traditional child welfare system adoption services and we also have contracts with um, uh, tribal agencies to provide um, post-adoption services so provides support services to uh, children and families who have um, who have adopted children. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering uh, what advice you could give to people who might like be interested in working for the state of Minnesota. Uh, you work for one of the largest agencies, Department of Human Services, or people who have been in the state who are looking for leadership. It's part of this program is about leadership. Mm -hmm. So what, what wisdom or advice would you share? I mean, you've been with the state now for almost 15 years? No, 15 years? Is that right? Yes, that's years. right. Um, June 27th will be 15, my 15 years. Never in a million years did I think that I would I would say that. Oh, why is that? Uh, well, I, I think I was, I was telling somebody in the office that not too long ago that I think when I started would have been my 30th birthday and to think back 15 years from that time I would have been 15 years old and then just uh -huh. uh, how as, as time goes on the the perspective of of time changes <laughs> well 15 years in in with the same employer is a that's a great run not a lot of people are generate in our generation <clears throat> probably work for the same employer for 15, 10, 15, 20, 25 years. So yeah, that's, that's probably that's cool. true. I've had different different roles within there. I haven't been sure. in the same role, but yes, definitely the same same entity. So advice that I would have for others about leadership and so I, I think one of, you know, being in private agencies in a leadership role and being in a public entity in a leadership role is very different. Um, you have much more um, flexibility and 
and uh, agility in order to make decisions in a in a private role than you do um, in a public entity. However, with that said, I'm thankful to have the the leadership that we do in in our organization, or at least me me in particular, to be able to um, to be able to be creative and to um, exercise some flexibility in the services that we offer um, and how we're able to um, meet the needs of the children and families throughout the state. So um, certainly work to allow the um, members on, on my team um, to also be able to exercise that that flexibility and the ability to be creative in our decision making. Um, so while it can be frustrating at times working for mm -hmm. such a large <clears throat> organization that's also a governmental organization, things don't always um, move as quickly or um, not everybody has necessarily the same the same priorities. Of course, everyone has the priorities that we, we serve children and families. Mm -hmm. um, however, that can look different from person to person. So it, it can be it can be very frustrating, um, but um, it also can be um, a situation where you you can you can find your sweet spot and be able to um, exercise your creativity and and flexibility within that. So um, I encourage people to. Um, in whatever leadership role you're in is to uh, to be able to do that because that certainly keeps work um, interesting and um, even though we all have the same monotonous tasks every day with our with our work it's important mm -hmm. to find some creativity um, in what you do every day yeah that's that's super cool creativity and flexibility and I'm also thinking about your experiences having you know grown up in the Midwest but also living out in the Pacific Northwest and then also living in Florida. That's three very different areas of the country that you've spent significant time in. Charlie, stop. And uh, just, you know, your capacity to adapt and to be flexible and be creative in those different environments is pretty pretty awesome. Yeah, I think it, it often, um, we often talk together as a team and just rely on our experiences as our experiences you know frame frame how we look at the world and uh, families look different everywhere um, families look different um, from house to house and mm -hmm. experiences where I've lived and also being um, a part of your family and experiencing um, a Wisconsin family that's very different than a Minnesota family as we all know uh, those those types of things. <laughs> look very different especially when you're talking about like football and oh my gosh definitely that sort of thing. definitely football and and uh school pride and those types of things are <laughs> are uh yeah very different but anyway um <laughs> the um and and experiencing the the samoa part of your family and being able to to um, experience some time there um, personally and also um through your experiences and just understanding how um, culturally it's very important that we keep our eyes open, um, mm -hmm. keep our blinders down, and just to make sure that we all understand that our that families look different. Um, and what's right for one family does not mean it's right for the next family. What we may think is inappropriate for one family to do and experience and to treat each other isn't necessarily how um, how that plays out in another family. Mm -hmm. And those things are relevant um, across the country, across the state, and, and across our own our own communities. So um, especially during this time that we are, are in right now, which is very unique, um, we have far less experiences um, 
showing we have we're we're seeing far less experiences than we were before people are behind their behind their doors um less than they than than they were before mm-hmm. children were in school people were at work um and and we don't have that um have that in our everyday life right now hopefully we will get back to that um but but those are types of things that we have to um we have to be very mindful of uh, respect that's some wisdom that you just shared uh with the audience and with me and i'm just I'm very impressed and very proud to be your partner in this, and I learn something new from you each day. So it's it's very it's very good. It's a good thing. So I'm looking at this calendar of Bob Marley, and I'm I'm wondering what I know you like music. So tell us a little bit about your musical interests. Sure, I like lot I I like lots of different music, but if I had to uh, if I had to put a calendar up as a musician in my office, it would certainly be Van Morrison. Uh, he has been um, a musician that I have uh, followed and felt very connected to his music for quite some time. So, so what is it about Van Morrison that just draws has, draws you continues to draw you near to his music? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I don't know that I specifically could say one particular thing that makes me connected to his music, um, but I think it's just the the composition of the the music, um, the musical elements, along with how he puts together um, his lyrics, and as far as kind of it, it really has a a strong kind of philosophical undertone. Um, and, and spiritual undertone. And it just mm-hmm. makes me, I don't know, makes me happy. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I, I know for me, I've really been able to come to appreciate and uh, know the music of Van Morrison through our relationship over the years. And I think he's fantastic. So that's super cool. Um, before we sign off, I just, I know you have experience um, running and you've run uh, a number of uh, marathons and half marathons. And as the weather warms up, people will be out and about. I'm just wondering if there's any wisdom that you could share with folks about either running or training or running a marathon or preparing to run a long race. Or maybe it's just a 5K or a, you know, a half marathon. But I mean, how many marathons have you run? Ten, which all, not all of them, but Ten one. Ten marathons. Yeah, you were you you ran you ran, ran a, few. a few yourself. Yes, you have. Together we ran a few. That's right, Chicago, yeah. San Diego. Yeah, it's inter- entertaining times. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, folks, it was entertaining. Yeah, in fact, well, our last one it was myself, it was my dad, it was John, and it was your brother. Yeah, my brother Dave. So yeah. we've we've had we've had some good times running. Um, so yes, I ran 10 marathons, nine of which were before children. Um, so it obviously takes a significant amount of time to be able to devote to, to training. Um, and, um, I would say that for me, it is the time, but even more importantly, it's the mental headspace that you, um, need to be in and need to allow yourself to be in in order to continue um, to continue to start and to continue on with the training um, it can be challenging and I think our bodies are able to do way more than we think they can do mm-hmm. um, so can our minds but I think it's very easy to let our minds um, uh, compensate for our bodies and to say I'm tired and to to stop or to say oh I'll mm-hmm. do it later or to say it will 
Um, I just I just don't feel like it today. Um, that there are going to be days that you just don't feel like it. And um, those are typically the days when it's the most important to just do it. Yeah. Um, just just get started and just to to do um, to do that mental training is more important um, almost than the physical training. Your body your body will be able to do it, but mentally getting yourself to a space where you just go out um, you go out and do that training. Yeah, yeah, and I've seen it. I've seen I've. I've... I've seen you do it. I last year at this time you were preparing for, what was it, a half Ironman? Yeah, mm-hmm. what you did Correct. last year, and I think it was in June, a half Ironman. Yep, the Madison half Ironman I did. Yes. I suppose that was a different experience than running a marathon. Harder or easier, or same? You know, as as, as time, it's been you know ten months now that I having that perspective of looking back. Um, the training was easier um, on my body, certainly. Mm-hmm. It was a lot easier. Less miles <clears throat> on your feet? Yeah. Um, physically, doing the activity of the day, I think it was harder. You might remember. I don't know. Did you ask me, and what did I say? Oh, you said it was way harder, but okay. I also know that your bike had a problem with the, the derailleur. Derailleur, the derailleur. Yeah, So broke. you were in a in a gear that wasn't really the best for climbing hills, like for how many miles? 50-some miles you rode a bike? Yeah, 56. I had to get off my bike and manually manually derail the chain to a different um, gear so I could uh, pedal up the hills without having to get off and lock it up. So anyway, that was, uh, that created some some, um, added... um, added physical exertion on my legs, which caused the run part to be really not a run at all. But I finished it. I crossed the finish line. My medal and my shirt and my hat look the same as everybody else's. Yeah. And like you said, it takes just that mind mental uh, approach that, you know, if if your mind can do it, says you can do it, then your body is likely to be able to do it. So, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's cool. I'm glad. Do you have any desire to do any more of these Ironman events or marathons or anything like that? Yeah, I definitely think so. I think I just enjoy having the the goal, and um, it just keeps a focus. Um, now, again, it is a hard time. There really are not, I don't know, I don't I haven't even looked, but I know they've canceled most most events that are happening um, within the within the near future, within the probably the next six months or so. So um, that's got to be very challenging for people that have signed up and are currently training. And yeah. if you are one of those people and you are frustrated and feeling um, down about that, uh, that's definitely understandable. Um, but I would encourage you to keep keep on with your training because there's always going to be another one. Yeah, and there's nothing advice. to say that you can't run that half marathon. Uh, map out your own route and do it, um, or marathon or what, whatever it is. So uh, the roads are still out there. That's right. That's great advice. Thank you for sharing that. So my last question, um, or last topic that I'd like to just talk about is, what brings you joy? What brings me joy? We've talked about a few of them. Van Morrison, yeah. your work, uh, but uh, family obviously is an important thing to you. But what's something that currently brings you joy it could be little could be medium could be big whatever it might be well currently as we are working all of us are home together 
all day, every day. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> finding joy in little things is, and and finding finding humor in little things has been um, has been good. Uh, it can it can be. Um, it can be hard, I think, for people, but right, I, mm-hmm. I really think that we've been, we've been managing well, so that's wonderful. But um, this is a, a well, I, it might be simple, it might not. I know it's not simple for a lot of people, but the ability to have good internet connection with having four people uh, connected to the internet at the same time for a good portion of a day is uh, is is a very um, a very nice thing and it, it does bring me joy uh, so that is definitely a, a monetary item but um, it is aside from family and um, family and exercise and music and um, Charlie and Charlie our dog yeah yeah that is that is the first thing that that uh, came to my mind so um, well that's that's fantastic um, well yeah well that's that was cool. We learned a lot about you in the last 30, 40 minutes, and um, you've lived an interesting and pretty fantastic life so far. So, anyway, Lots of yeah. life left to live. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, well, I want to thank everyone and thank Michael for sharing a little bit about herself today on the Alofa Movement podcast series, and uh, maybe we'll have you back another time and we can talk about some other things that you might be interested in talking about, but... Thank you for sharing yourself and sharing of your wisdom and advice with us. And uh, hope everyone has a blessed weekend out there. And we'll check you out. Stay safe. Wash your hands and stay home. Yep. And stay healthy. Yeah. All right. Take care. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Bye-bye.